and he is using the church to impact the world. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verses 16 and 17 of this chapter. Today we're going to begin a new series. I'm entitled Break Free. Break Free. Go get somebody. This is going to be a powerful sermon, a powerful word from the Lord, and you will have to listen to this one again. So plan to go back uh, in your free time to review um, the things that are going to be shared uh, from this passage of Scripture today. Beginning in verse 16, we read, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for all that you have made us through your son, Jesus Christ. We've been brought out of the marketplace of sin through the precious blood of Jesus. God, all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been counseled out. The debt has been paid. And Father, as David asked, and we are repeating and echoing, what shall we render? for all that you've done. Father, the best that we could do would never be enough, but we are eternally grateful. We are humbled that you have decided to choose us and to use us. Now, God, be glorified today as we look into your word. We pray, pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The message is entitled today, Remove, remove the Veil, Break Free, Break Free, Break Free, Remove the Veil. Now, <clears throat> on, on September the 22nd, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signed into law the Emancipation Proclamation, which outlawed slavery in America, effectively legally ending 246 years of institutionalized slavery in America. On that day, in cities across America, old and young slaves were officially freed from the dehumanized, from dehumanized forced labor and deplorable living conditions by a presidential decree. Celebrations were enjoyed around the country, abolitionists and freed slaves shouted and rejoiced that a legal document had actually declared freedom was going to be a reality. All the cities and states with the exception of Texas. You see, Texas did not inform its slaves for two and a half years after 1862 that they in fact had been freed by the Emancipation Proclamation in, two, in 1862. Now on June 19th, which we affectionately refer to as Juneteenth, Union General Gordon Granger announced in Galveston, Texas, that all slaves in Texas were free. Although this was great news, it was two and a half years late. That meant that some slaves died waiting for their freedom and others suffered needlessly at the hands of their cruel master when in fact they were no longer deemed property of slave masters. Now, none of us living today can fully understand the inhumanity of the American slave system experientially. Uh, we weren't there. We can read the history. Uh, we can talk to people that have heard through oral transmission, what slavery was like, but none of us experientially have 
has an accurate perspective of what it really was like to be forced into labor and to live in deplorable conditions. Now, while that is true, we are witnessing firsthand how emotionally irrational people can become when they feel like their freedoms are being taken away. People are protesting about wearing face masks. They feel that it's a violation of their freedom of choice. People are refusing to social distance or to refrain from gathering uh, with large uh, numbers of people because that is a violation of our constitutional rights and inalienable rights as, as free people. Now, however you may feel about people that are unwilling to give up their freedom to wear or not to wear face masks, we all agree that freedom is a human need, and I agree that it's a right. Freedom is a right given by God. Now, when it comes to true freedom, man's law can never give true liberation. In John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus promised that he alone can provide true and total freedom. Listen to what verse 36 says. Therefore, the, therefore if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. You shall be free indeed. You will be truly and totally free if the freedom, the liberation comes and originates from the Lord Jesus. During the next few weeks, I will teach a series that I've already mentioned. I'm going to entitle Break Free. And the key passage is the one that I've already read from third, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where it says, If anyone turns to the Lord, the veil that which has concealed and prevented True freedom is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of Christ is, there's real freedom. Now I want to begin by defining in this very tumultuous time what biblical freedom means, what it means to be free from a scriptural vantage point. What it means to break free. Uh, when we talk to people about personal freedom, here's here's some of the things that is meant. This is what makes it unclear. Sometimes freedom to people means being free of debt, financial freedom. Freedom to say whatever you want to say, you know, keeping it real. Sometimes freedom for for people in terms of what it the priority nature of what that would mean. It means religious freedom to, to believe what you want to believe and, and, and to practice your faith based on your personal preferences. Sometimes for people, freedom means that you have an empty nest. All the kids are finally gone and now you can live without the responsibility of child rearing. For others, freedom can mean retirement from uh a 40-hour-a-week job, a 60-hour-a-week, you know, going in and punching the clock. You're finally deliberated and able to do whatever you want to do. You're free. Freedom, for some means, that you get to live with and love whoever you want to. Freedom also, for some means, that you get to choose sexual preferences or your own gender identity. Now let's, for those who make a profession that they belong to Christ, clarify that our marching orders do not come 
from the world. In fact, the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we should not allow the world, the world system whose God is Satan, to dictate our beliefs, our actions, and our thoughts. Don't be squeezed into the world's mold. Our directives for life and faith are found in the word of God. And so we want to establish that from the outset. If you profess to be a Christian, then the lamp for your feet and the light for your path is the scriptures. David said, God instructs us and guides us in the way that we should go through the Bible. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart so that we will not transgress or violate the scriptures. And so our definition about freedom for Christians is found in God's compass book called the Bible. So let me share with you uh, what a biblical definition of freedom is in order to accept and understand this uh, definition. When we do the veil, that which blocks us from experiencing all that God would have us to see and to understand and to freely walk into, to take the pressure and the stress of trying to be uh, perfect or, or needing to feel like we're in control or to uh, compare ourselves to, eat, to others, to get that veil removed and to break free in order to experience the freedom that is in Christ, we need to get our definition from the word. Now listen to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, uh, the veil, uh, it says, in order, so in order to understand the meaning of the true freedom of Christ, the veil of spiritual blindness, it has to be removed, the veil of spiritual blindness. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, here's what we read, the Apostle Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he said, even if our gospel, the good news, the euangelion, is veiled, it's hidden, it's concealed, it is hidden to those who are perishing, who are dying apart from Christ. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel that is displayed through the glory, through, through the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they believe in the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the icon of God. And so Paul says there's a veil, there's a spiritual blindness that, that hides the truth of God's word from those who have not come to know Christ for who he is as Lord and Savior and who have not experienced what John talks about in chapter 3. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see, you cannot comprehend, you cannot understand, you are blind to spiritual truth. The natural man does not receive the things that come from the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They don't have the Spirit, and therefore the things that come from the Spirit are foolishness to the natural man. And so the veil that is caused by sin and Satan blinds us to the truth and prevents us from seeing our way out of darkness and bondage into the freedom that comes through a personal relationship with Christ. So what is freedom? Freedom in Christ means this. This is important. Freedom in Christ. We want to get out of shackles. We don't want to be in bondage. Uh, we don't want to, unfortunately, what that means to some people, uh, it means that you get to do whatever you want to know. I'm not talking about sloppy agape and cheap grace that the Lord didn't save us from sin so that we continue to live in sin. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who are genuinely committed to honoring Christ in a life that impacts the world in such a way that people see Jesus. Now, listen, here's, here's the definition. Freedom in Christ means to be released from the slavery of sin and Satan 
so that we can serve Christ and others while reaching our full potential in him. So freedom in Christ means that I am released from slavery to sin. Sin does not have to dominate me. It doesn't have to control me. I have been released from its power and Satan's control so that now in Christ, I can live in service to him and others. And as I'm serving him and others, I, I realize my full potential in him based on his purpose and will for my life. We want to break free. But in order to break free, the veil, the veil, those obstacles that, that we have been stumbling over and keeping us in darkness and keeping us controlled in such a way that the liberty of Christ that should be allowing us to experience what Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Christians ought to be experiencing abundant life. Christians ought to be able to say, in their actual experience, Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. That's what happens when we break free. That's what happens when we understand what it means to be free in Christ. Freedom in Christ is primarily spiritual in nature and therefore not ultimately dependent upon your physical, in, physical internal or external circumstances. Freedom in Christ is spiritual. Therefore, your external and internal experiences or situations do not determine if you can operate in such a way that you're serving Christ and others and realizing your full potential to accomplish the will of God for your life. Freedom in Christ is primarily spiritual. Let me give you two examples of that in the scriptures. And write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. This is powerful. The example one, I'm going to read the passage. Were you a slave when you were called, when you were saved, when the Lord snatched you out of darkness? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain freedom... Do so for the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person, free in the Lord. Similarly, the one who has was free when Christ called him is Christ's slave. So either we're slaves to sin or and, and Satan or man under the authority of Satan or we're a servant of, of Christ. So either way, we're a servant. But the point is this. The Apostle Paul uses this example that I've just read to you it's to describe the worst of human conditions, and that is the enslavement of another human being. And so sometimes when people trusted Christ as their Savior, even though Roman slavery does not compare to American slavery, and we're not going to take this time to, 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 to mark out the, the differences, but the point is, Let's say that slavery is the worst of human conditions or circumstances. Paul says, if you can, based on whatever resources are available to you, to get freedom from that institution, seek through every effort possible to be free. But then he also adds, but for some, if for some reason, you're unable to gain freedom in a biblical way from your circumstances, he says, grow where God has planted you. So the worst of human circumstances does not make me a slave to my circumstance. The Apostle Paul said that in my human situation that I'm still in Christ free. Freedom is a spiritual state for the believer. It is not dictated to by your external circumstances, even including the worst of institutions like slavery. Here's a second example. A physical or emotional bars are not strong enough to rob us of our freedom in Christ. 
In uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, the Apostle Paul, in prison at the time of this writing, he was in jail, in a Roman jail, and ultimately Paul was going to end up being executed for his witness to, for Jesus. Here's what he says while in prison. Now, I want you to know, brethren and sisters, that what has happened to me is has actually served to advance the gospel. I'm in jail, falsely accused of conspiracy against the Roman government, probably won't be released, but in spite of my external circumstance of incarceration, the gospel is advancing and it has been to the advantage of the church that I'm in, I'm in this lockup situation. Listen to verse 13. As a result, I have be, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ's sake. So the chains that could have discouraged Paul, caused him to feel bound, caused him to give up, caused him to think that he couldn't operate in the freedom that comes from Christ, which is spiritual. He says, the people that are guarding me know that I'm here because of Jesus. And that became comes a testimony because even though I'm in prison, prison's not in me. In verse 15, it said, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. In verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in jail. So the Apostle Paul says, so now you have the barrier of being in a in physical incarceration as a Christian, which would cause some to think God has forsaken me. I must not be in the will of God. My marriage is going bad. My job, I didn't get the promotion and I don't live in the house that I want to live in. And I got all these limitations. My kids are driving me crazy. Therefore, I can't. These, these external circumstances prevented me from having my liberty in Christ. I can't serve Christ. I can't serve others and reach my full potential because of these external circumstances. Paul says the prison cell did not limit the impact that I was having in fulfilling God's purpose for my life. The gospel is still going forward. But then he says there are emotional bars. He said there are people who are actually preaching with the intention that because I'm in jail, they can elevate their ministries <laughs> and become prominent and replace the role I shared outside of the walls of prison and they're doing it for my detriment. They intend to hurt me but profess to be Christian. And so Paul could have allowed the emotional scars of people who were intentionally doing evil to harm him to rob him of his sense of the reality of the freedom that he has in Christ but he didn't allow emotional attacks that were real to become ex an excuse for him to be bitter and therefore in bondage. He says, all I care about is that the gospel is being preached, whether people are doing it out of proper motive or improper motivation, the gospel is being preached. And so my circumstances externally do not Rob me of the freedom that I have in Christ because the freedom that we have in Christ that allows us to break free and to serve him is spiritual. It's not physical primarily. So it doesn't matter what my circumstances, I can serve the Lord in a way that he's honored. One of my favorite movies is the Shawshank uh, Redemption uh, story of uh, uh, um, uh, Danny Dufresne. And some of you, uh, uh, Andy Dufresne, and he's he's incarcerated for a crime that he didn't commit, and he is given double life in the worst prison, in one of the worst prisons in our country. And while he's there, he's all kinds of horrible things happen to him. He's abused, he's beaten, he's isolated, he's mistreated, but he never loses hope. He always maintains a smile on his face. He goes around humming uh, tunes that he would, he, when he would go to the opera, he remembered the opera, he remembered the library, he remembered reading. And so the question is, how in the world was he able to be in the worst of human conditions, being beaten and isolated, falsely accused, and yet able to operate in freedom? Again, 
He was in prison, but prison wasn't in him. What has happened to you does not have to take over you. What you have experienced does not, you don't have to give the right to put you in cuffs. What you have experienced doesn't have to make you bitter. It can, if you do like Joseph said, what was intended for evil, God meant it for good. And I understand when I'm operating in the liberty that from Christ that all that I'm going through is going to work together for my good and God's glory. And so what it means to be free in Christ is spiritual in nature. That's why we can rise up with wings of eagle. We can rise above our circumstances. We don't have to give in to what's going on around us. Even though there's a pandemic, even though hundreds of thousands of people have died and people are still getting sick and the world doesn't know what's going to happen. Seems like everything is just in 2020 has just gone awry. But we know that God is in charge. And so I'm going to continue to operate in the freedom. The veil needs to be removed that True freedom is not something that is external, it's internal, it's spiritual, and it comes from Christ. Now, what is, what, what is the veil that need, what are the veils that need to be removed that can prevent us from breaking free, from breaking free, from, from, from actually releasing ourselves to the Lord and really entrusting our lives to him and, 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 and genuinely becoming an instrument in the hand of God where we Finally do like Abraham did. The Lord said, I want your best. I, 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 give me Isaac. And, and, and Jesus put it like this way. He said, unless you're willing to hate mother, father, sister, and brother, and even yourself, and to take up your cross. How do we get to that point where we are trusting in God in that way? That we don't feel that we're giving up freedom, but that we're gaining it. And that we are operating in a sense of liberation where the yoke of Christ is really easy and his burden is light and we find rest. Well, here's some things that veils that need to be removed. The first is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. We're not going to read all those verses, but man, are they powerful. We need to remove the veil. Take the glasses off. Take the mindset, your training, your experience all the accolades, take the, take the veil off that says, that, that causes us to have confidence in our competence. Confidence in our competence, our ability, our ability to make ourselves successful in ministry, our ability to have an eternal impact in any area of our life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. I really, uh, this is powerful. It says, he says, not that we are competent in ourselves. We're not adequate, sufficient, capable to claim anything for ourselves, but our, our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers. And so he says, the work of being adequate and sufficient and effective in ministry, and your marriage is a ministry, your job is a ministry, every relationship that, in order to be effective, the competence is not something, although we're the subject of the sentence. Paul says, we are the ministers, the subject, but the, the subject is not performing the action. The action is performed by the object who is God. God makes us sufficient. He makes us adequate incompetent. So once we understand that if it's going to have any lasting value, if lives are really going to be turned, turned from the inside out, it will not be because of some skill that we possess that we developed on our own. It will be because the equipment that was necessary to be effective has already been provided by God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us adequate. The veil that needs to be removed is the confidence that sometimes I'm confident on my own. I can't make a person's heart change. In fact, the Bible said, can a leper change his spots? Can an Ethiopian change? We can't change ourselves. The competence 
the ability to be successful in life and in ministry, it comes from God. Paul says in uh, 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 Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for God is at work within you, helping you to want to obey. The desire to even want to obey comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is God who is at work in you and then helping you to do what he wants. So it is God who is at work convicting us through the Holy Spirit to help us to want to do what he wants us to do. God is at, at God is doing this. He makes us competent. The reason I can work out my own soul salvation in fear and trembling is because of what he already worked in. The scripture says, he who began a good work in you, he will perfect it until the day of redemption. And so competent as a mother, as a wife, as a husband, as a son, comes from God. I'm going to break free and stop feeling the bondage and the weight that says it depends on me. All I would need to do is cooperate with the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will do the internal work that we cannot do. Here's a second veil that needs to, to, to be removed. Counting past experiences with God, counting on past experiences with God for current and future effectiveness in ministry. Counting on what God has blessed you with in the past. And often I talk to Christians and you, 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 you ask them, when was the most impactful time in your walk with the Lord? And it usually goes back to when they first got saved. And unfortunately, when decisions need to be made about current situations that God has allowed for us to have to take an action, we are basing our choices on how we experience God years in the past. Now, let, me, let, me, let me read the scripture uh, in, the, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. Now, if the ministry that brought death, that is, the ministry of the law that came through Moses, which was engraved in letters of stone on, on, on rocks, stone tablets, Ten Commandments, came with glory because it came from God, the very mouth of God, it was God breathed, therefore it was splendid, it was magnificent, it was brilliant, it came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Holy Spirit be even more glorious? So he's talking about a past ministry where Moses received the law. And every time Moses was in the presence of the Lord, receiving the word of God, his physical appearance was transformed in such a way that Moses' face shined like the sun. And so when the people saw him after he would come down from the mountain with the word of God, having spent time in the presence of God, his face was so bright they couldn't look directly at his face. Now, here's the thing about the past. The law was given through Moses to the nation of Israel in the past. Its message was the message of death because the law simply told us we were sinners in need of a savior, but it didn't give us the power to overcome sin so that we could have right standing with God. And so the law, though from God, therefore glorious, was limited in its ability to enable us to do what was necessary to break free from our sin and its consequences. Now, the law also was limited, its limitations is illustrated for us through the experience of Moses. Every time Moses went to the presence of the Lord, I've already shared, and he heard the voice of God, just like when you and I, every time you open up this book, <laughs> James says the word of God is a mirror, it's a light. Every time we allow the Lord to deal with our hearts through his word, it transforms us. But not when we jump in. So, so Moses' experience is an illustration of how the past blessings were real, but not or not relevant for what God is often currently trying to do. The word doesn't change. But a rhema word, what does God want to do in any given situation? Don't be jumping back with how God blessed you 
in the year of our Lord, you know, 25 years ago. What is God doing right now? Let me, let me, let me show. So this Moses experience was temporal. The glory of the Lord would shine through Moses. The presence of God would shine, would be on the face of Moses, but it was temporary. And so what he would do when he came down, when the glow would stop radiating, he would cover his face with a veil so that people wouldn't know that the glory was fading. It was intended to be temporary. It was also external. The, what happened to Moses' face was not necessarily evidence what was, of what was going on in Moses' heart. And so the experience was temporal, it was external, and it was personal. Only Moses had access to God in the way that allowed his countenance to be changed. As great as that experience was, it was never intended to be permanent. There are some past experiences that you may have had with the Lord in your life that he never expected for you to be still living off of 10 years of leftovers. The mercies of God are new every day. In Revelation chapter uh, 14, it talks about uh, uh, how the saints, when they were in the presence of the Lord, they sung the song of Moses. You ought to have an Old Testament song. You ought to have a testimony that relates to when you first got saved. But you also have should have a song. He said, we also sung the song of the Lamb. You need to have a New Testament song. What is God doing in your life? Sometimes what God has done in our past becomes a hindrance for us being free in the future, in the present, because we're depending on on old mercies, old blessings, and are blind. We're trying to put new wine into old wineskins. Oh, I like what the Apostle Paul says. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of, but one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and straining forward towards forward and pressing towards a higher mark, which is in Christ. He said, I forget those things which are behind. And so sometimes past successes can hinder you from present anointing, present uh, of the present flow of the Spirit of God, that you're able to operate in the freedom that comes from the direction of God's Word for a current situation. And so we don't want to uh, allow uh, past, counting on our past experiences to try to do current ministry. We want to be constantly growing in grace and becoming more like Jesus. Here's another veil that needs to be removed. Concealing the character of God by failing to allow the Spirit to transform us. When you get a chance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and, and uh, uh, 13, and, and Paul writes, he says, But the Christians have no veil over our faiths. But we Christians, we can be mirrors, we can be mirrors, that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Now watch this. So we don't want to be guilty of concealing the character of God, the radiance of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus living in us because we fail to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. This basically means when we don't grow spiritually, when we fail to obey the Lord, the character the person of Christ is not seen through us, although he lives in us in the, in, in, by way of the Holy Spirit. So when he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works," People can't see the light when you are concealing the character of God because of disobedience. Disobedience hides the character of God in your life. And so we need to remove that veil. I'm not going to hide behind the veil of reading the word but not applying the word. I'm not going to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. And so I don't want to be involved of hiding the presence of God because I've not. What The scripture says we can be a mirror. And the spirit who is at work in us allows us to become more like Christ. But it's a decision that we make that we will reflect the, re the presence of God and that we become more like Jesus. But when we choose not to, the character of God living in us the world can't see. I remember reading a story about Alexander the Great. He was one of the greatest military minds and warriors of, of, in all of human history. By the age of 33, he had conquered most of the inhabited world. 
And one night he couldn't rest after a battle, a day of battle. And as he was decided to get up and walk around the camp, he noticed that one of the guards who was assigned to keep watch had fallen asleep. And when he approached the guard, the guard was startled and he realized that Alexander the Great had find, found him asleep. And it, that was a death sentence. If you were assigned to keep watch as a guard and you were found to be asleep, that meant that you were going to die instantly. What the captains often would do, if they found someone asleep, they would pour kerosene on them and strike a match. Or they would have them instantly killed. And so instead of killing the, this young guard, I, Alexander approached the young man and he says, what is your name? And the young man said, my name is Alexander. And then Alexander the Great raised his voice, what is your name? I asked you, what is your name? He said, my name is Alexander. And then he asked him a third time, he said, what is your name? And the young man sheepishly responded, my name is Alexander. And Alexander said, either change your name or change your conduct. I want you to know when we profess to be Christians, but we call ourselves operating in freedom and the choices that we make don't match up with the word of God. We need to stop calling ourselves sons and daughters of God or change our conduct. Because the Bible says that when you are a member of the family of God, if any man be in Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, he's making all things new. You are a sheep, not a wolf. You are a lamb, not a goat. You are to be modeling Christ in your walk on a daily basis. When you are not, you're that guard who's fallen asleep on his post and the Lord is asking you, what is your name? Who are you? Are you really a child of God? And if you're not, don't be surprised if you find yourself in the category of those who Jesus says in Mark chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 7, he said, many shall say in that day, Lord, have I not cast out demons in your name, prophesied in your name. Have I not served you? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Workers of iniquity, you did not allow the character of God to radiate through you in such a way that people could see me living my life through you. The veil of concealing the character of God by failing to be transformed by the Holy Spirit needs to be removed. Now let me quickly share why we must remove the veil that impacts the freedom, our freedom in Christ to do ministry that honors him. First of all, veils bind us to our past. There's some things that are holding us back that keeps us fearful. We're remembering failures, the things that people have said that have shamed us, names that people have called us, disappointments, and so the veils need to be removed because they can bind us to our past. Veils need to be removed because they blind us to what God is doing. And so not only do they bind us in forms of bondage, but they can blind us. What is God doing? Can you see the move of God in the midst of all that's going on in America? If you can't see the hand of God, you, you're blind. Here's the third reason why the veil needs to be removed. Veils block God from what he will do in the future. He wants, to he wants us to reflect his image through us and so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ. In order for us to be conformed to the image of Christ, we have to remove the veils, the things that stand between us and God and walking in the freedom that comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit and not depending on our human effort. And so what God wants to do through you and through your, to, for your family through you is blocked when we're operating in our own confidence, when we're operating in, in depending on things that have God has used in the past. So we, want, we definitely want the rail removed. Now, how do you do it? I'm glad you asked. We're going to finish with this. Amen. I told you you're going to have to go back. How can you break free from the pressure to perform as Christians in our own strength. How can we do that? How can we actually experience the liberty of Christ, which is to be released from the power of sin and Satan so that we can serve the Lord and others and reach our full potential in Christ? First of all, here's what we can do. Celebrate 
that your ability to produce spiritual results depends on God. Our competence comes from him. He makes you adequate. Just think about that. The ability to make the difference in your family's life, in your sphere of influence life, is not dependent on you. First and foremost, it's dependent upon what God does through us that he's already provided the wherewithal to do it. When you have an iPad and you go into a, a different place uh, that it, you don't have a, a, a signal, uh, the first thing they'll ask, they'll show you you have no signal and they tell you you need to locate a signal so that you can have access to the internet. Once you locate the signal, then everything that is available to you through the internet, you can, you can access. Well, the same thing is true. Now, when, when it comes to the adequacy for ministry, uh, I didn't create the, 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 the server. The server existed before I accessed it. All I had to do was access the server. In the same way, the strength, the wisdom, the open doors, the, the ability to touch people in, in, their, in their spirit being, God's the server. He, it originates with him. And, and, and he will allow us to have that type of ministry in the lives of others when I'm synced with him. <laughs> All I got to do is connect with the Lord. The, 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 the resources come from him. So my adequacy, celebrate that it's not dependent upon you. It's not. Oh, that ought to bless somebody. It's just not dependent upon you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to always be in control. You don't have to have, be the one who has all the ideas. You don't have to be the one that you just do what God says and leave the results to him. Continue to spend personal time in the presence of God through his word and worship. Every time Moses entered into the presence of the Lord, he was transformed. Every time we spend time in worship and prayer in the word, you will be transformed. Not as Moses externally, but God will do an internal work that will make you more like Jesus. Every time I cry out to him and I'm giving him that one-on-one -on -one attention, he changes me from the inside. I get a strength that I never thought I would have. I become, the Bible says that the strength of Christ is perfected in my weaknesses. He, Paul says that my adequacy, my sufficiency comes from him. As I spend time continually in his presence, confidently expect the Lord to use you to bless others. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And if that was transitory, the ministry that Moses had, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. I am confident that when I allow myself to be synced with the God of the Bible by yielding to the Spirit of God, that I can break free in such a way that when I open my mouth, when I use this word, when I cry out to him, that I will be effective in blessing the lives of others so that they can see Jesus in me. Here's the final thing. Cast aside everything that seeks to bind you to the past, blind you to what God is doing in the present, and block you from what God plans to do in the future. Cast aside whatever it is. If it's a relationship, if it's goals or ambitions, whatever it is, if it's blinding you and binding you and blocking you, from operating in the freedom that comes from the Lord, you need to cast it aside. Remove the veil. Remove the veil. As a child, I was always amazed how 11,000 pound elephants, <laughs> male elephants, and the females weigh as much as 6,000 pounds, could be held captive by a small link chain after their performance. I was always amazed by that. And sometimes they would be performing with these link chains. All an elephant had to do was just really become determined and move its leg in a forceful way and the chain would break. But why? So I, I couldn't understand. And then I learned that the reason elephants rarely break free of the chain that binds them is because when they were 
their captors and trainers use that chain that is small in comparison to their adult elephant on baby elephants. And so the elephant as an infant learns when it tried to break free of the big chain compared to their size as a baby, it was unsuccessful, it was painful, it was fruitless. And so what the elephant remembers after it becomes an adult is the strength of the chain that controlled it when it was a child. And that memory, not the chain, is what keeps the, the elephant in bondage. I want you to know, once you break free of those things that would hinder the past, the present, what God is trying to do, when you break free in the Lord, the, de the devil will do everything he can to keep you depending on yourself, thinking and depending on you, and keep you in guilt and shame and, and focusing on failure, what people think, what they don't think, who likes me, who doesn't like me, uh, how many degrees I do or don't have. The devil wants to distract you. Your adequacy, if you would break the chain, you will, if you, I'm saying, if you would break free in Christ to know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You're not in bondage. Stop going back to yourself. Stop being defeated by thoughts that don't come from the Lord. The spirit of the Lord gives liberty. And when you operate in that liberty, you are a dangerous person. That's why the devil is doing everything in his power to keep you bound. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can break the chain, that the veil can be removed, the veil of past confidences and things that we have depended upon and experiences. Oh God, the things that causes us to turn our attention away from your strength and depend upon our own. God, we're trusting you right now to enable us to walk in freedom in every relationship, in every conversation that no thought has dominion, that we would bring under subjection of the Holy Spirit every idle thought, casting down every vain imagination through the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name.